I'm Brian Santo, EE Times Editor-in-Chief. You're listening to EE Times On Air. And this is your weekly briefing for the week ending July 23rd. This episode is brought to you by Power Integrations, innovation in power conversion. Power Electronics was long a stodgy corner of the semiconductor industry, where there wasn't much demand for innovation for the longest time. My, how things have changed. The electronics industry is getting more demanding about how well and efficiently everything operates, and that is spurring an evolution in power ICs, instigating a shift from cheap plentiful silicon to other materials such as gallium nitride and silicon carbide. This week, our guest is Doug Bailey, Vice President of Marketing and Applications Engineering with Power Integrations. We'll be talking with him about the practical advantages of wide band gap materials such as gallium nitride, what the evolution from silicon to gallium nitride means for engineers, and about how it affects the design of products. We also talk about the very tangible consequences for consumers. Consider the humble adapter and how many old ones you probably have in your junk drawer. Power Integrations has, considered the humble adapter, that is. We'll get to our interview with Doug Bailey in a moment. First, here are some of the things you can read about in EE Times this week. One of the great technological challenges of our time is to develop energy sources much cleaner than what we've traditionally used. There are efforts worldwide to develop renewables such as wind and solar, but there is also a race to develop a practical fusion power plant. Startup Helion Energy is one of the fusion competitors, and the company just announced it has achieved a pair of milestones. Those achievements lead it to believe it will be able to eventually produce a commercial reactor for commercial power generation. We invite you to read our story that explains the company's unique approach to fusion power and the progress the company recently reported. We've also published a series of related stories on developments in power generation and distribution on the Resilient Grid. Our special project on the Resilient Grid identifies the most pressing needs faced by society as electrification extends to transportation, industrial, and consumer applications. We also explore some of the most promising approaches for developing a resilient grid with sufficient capacity to deliver power where and when it is needed. Those solutions range from open-source software development aimed at virtualizing critical grid components to how consumer devices, electric vehicles, and lower-power industrial systems are designed to help reduce peak demand. We take a holistic look at everything from the humble power pole to the application of artificial intelligence in managing the grid. For all these stories and more industry news and analysis, visit our website at eetimes.com. If you're on this podcast's episode webpage, look to your left and you'll see links to all of these stories we mentioned today. It's been over 100 degrees Fahrenheit in Siberia and the permafrost there is melting. The lakes behind several major dams in the United States are so low it's affecting the production of hydropower. Meanwhile, freak floods have devastated China and Germany in just the last week alone. There's a wildfire in Oregon that is so intense, it is literally generating its own weather, including lightning. Smoke and ash from that fire and others burning on the West Coast are dimming the sun 3,000 miles away up and down the Northeast Corridor. 
Global warming is getting worse, and it is no coincidence that much of what has been happening in technology news is filled with efforts to try to mitigate power consumption, to find alternative power sources, to be more responsible about creating products and about making products that embody the concepts of sustainability. It has always been important to manage power, but as more and more aspects of modern life go electric or electronic or both, managing power has become critical, and engineering companies are at the forefront of that effort. Power ICs are some of the fundamental components in electronic systems dictating how power efficient those systems could be. Power Integrations specializes in components used in high-voltage power conversion. The company's ICs are found in ACDC power supplies for smartphones, household appliances, smart utility meters, LED lights, and in no end of industrial systems. The company's gate drivers are found in high power systems such as solar and wind energy, industrial motor drives, electric vehicles, and high voltage DC transmission lines. Power Integrations calls its energy efficiency technology EcoSmart, and it boasts of having prevented billions of dollars worth of energy waste, and millions of tons of carbon emissions. Our guest today is Doug Bailey. He's the Vice President of Marketing and Applications Engineering for Power Integrations. I thought it would be good to begin at the beginning. I asked Doug to explain what gallium nitride is and why it's different from silicon. Gallium nitride is the, uh, uh, is, is the talk of the town at the moment. Every, everybody's... Um, working on gallium nitride related products, uh, at least in our customer base. Uh, we've, we've issued several uh, power converters that use gallium nitride um, and the customers are seeing a big advantage in efficiency. It's how, how that efficiency, how you come about that efficiency that's um, the really intriguing part. And that's the, the, the switch inside uh, a gallium nitride part isn't a, isn't a pure MOSFET. It doesn't work like a MOSFET. It's something called a high electron mobility transistor. And the way that works is it uses the stresses set up in a very, very thin film of uh, gallium nitride to liberate electrons that are used uh, as a so-called 2D electron gas that you connect to through some kind of uh, uh, electrochemical wizardry in the fab uh, to uh, allow you to send very high currents of very low RDS ons, very low uh, resistance through this two-dimensional uh, boundary between the layers of gallium nitride. And then you turn it on and off like a normal transistor. But what you're doing is you're, when you put the electric field um, on the gate of the transistor, you're driving away the electrons that are in the 2D electron gas and essentially turning the transistor off. So it's it's fundamentally a normally on technology. Um, and then as um, power engineers, what we do, uh, power integrations, is we find a way to turn, com convert that into a normally off technology, which is what you know, everybody really wants to use in their uh, uh, power electronics connected to the, to the grid. Normally on would not, not necessarily be very suitable for a grid connected uh, product when you, you first plugged it in. So these uh, these devices, these power devices, uh, have been uh, implemented in silicon for the longest time. We're shifting over to gallium nitride. Uh, you said the big advantage is efficiency. Is there an obvious uh, metric whereby you can say 
okay, I can use a silicon part up to here. At this point, there's a cutoff, and I should be using a gallium nitride part after this. Or, or you know, what 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 goes into yeah. the decision of deciding to go from silicon to gallium nitride? Yeah, that's a very insightful question, um, and it's actually very hard to answer. And it's hard to answer because it you have to answer it with it depends. And the thing it mostly depends upon is the uh, size of the power supply that you're going for, how how compact you want to be. Uh, and that's because the the gallium nitride is fundamentally a, a better switch. So if you think back to your time in um, you know EE 101 at university, the, the professor will have drawn a, the ideal switch. And then as time passed in your university career, they, they told you, well, it's actually got resistance and mm, oh my, it's got uh, capacitance. Um, so when you switch it, what's going on is the capacitance of the switch when it's off is dumped. The energy in that capacitor is dumped through its own resistor, through its internal resistance. And that heats it up every time you switch it. The wonderful thing about gallium nitride and the real fundamental benefit is that you you don't have as much of this so-called COSS um, uh, gate source, sorry, uh, uh, train source uh, capacitance. And so because you don't have as much of it, you can switch it more quickly. Or if you switch it at the same speed as silicon, you just get lower losses. And it means that you can put far more conductivity in your system um, and, and you get the benefit from the conductivity during the time that the switch is conducting, but you don't pay for it but when and during the time the switch is switching. So that's what gives you the benefit. And, and so you end up being able to make um, very, very compact power supplies at uh, quite high power levels. So the question that you asked, which is, you know, when do you choose to use GAN, when do you choose to use silicon, is you, you, you choose to use GAN when the box that you want to put the power supply in is so small that the heat can't get out. <laughs> and, and so you've got to generate less heat. And, and so we've seen 20 watt adapters use gallium nitride, which you know, financially makes no sense because they, they are a little, you know, gallium nitride is currently a little bit more expensive than silicon. Mm. But it made sense to this particular customer because what they wanted to do is they wanted to make the absolute smallest, tiniest, most bijou little piece of power supply jewelry they could think of. And the best way to do that was to leverage the efficiency of gallium nitride. So that's a 20 watt level. Most of the customers that we're talking to now are, are kind of at the 45 watt is the kind of cutoff where mm -hmm. above 45 watts, really GAN provides such a substantial benefit that a power supply is becoming unmerchantable or just has this such a low end aspect to it that it, it's one of the power supplies that gets given away with a piece of equipment. Whereas if you want to buy a power supply, you're just not going to buy one of the, you know, something that's, uh, you know, a half, a brick size power supply anymore. So that's 45 watts kind of the cutoff where GAN really makes uh, a huge difference. Do you find that as more companies become aware of uh, how much power they draw and how much heat they dump, um, they're looking at gallium nitride as a, a, 
I don't know, to for, for lack of a better phrase, a green solution or a greener solution to uh, to uh, uh, the system that they're trying to devise. Yeah, the, the, um, the there's a movement towards eliminating heat sinks from consumer products. Mm-hmm. And you might think, well, why would you want to do that? You know, heat sinks are you know, a big chunk of aluminum um, or, or copper, I guess. But and, and it's cheap and you can strap a power device to it and dump all your waste heat. But you've got to think about what are you saying when you're saying, well, we're going to dump all our waste. What, what is a heat sink? Well, what it does is it couples wasted energy into the environment. And why do you want to do that? <laughs> why do you want to waste energy? Why would you design something so that does that? So I think it's a kind of, um, it's almost a moral responsibility, I think, as an engineer to make decisions. When you have a choice to make, make a choice that is a, a, a socially reasonable one. I mean, I, I'm not saying that every situation and every time that somebody designs something, the heat sinks necessarily a, a bad thing, but it is an indicator that there may be a better way to do it. And so, what, what I what I counsel with with my engineers building reference designs and and demo boards and so on, because that's that's what we do a lot of here with our own products. Is mm. if you're thinking of put, putting a a heat sink on a board, just think again: is there another way to do this that doesn't need a heat sink? Because the very presence of the heat sink is indicative of a of a of a some kind of degree of failure, right? It's it's not it's not a hard line where yeah you failed if you need a heat sink or you but it's a it's a symbol in my view of a of a of a bygone era and a, a of history that of, of waste that that we really shouldn't be proliferating. And, and some power devices can last for a long time, or some piece of equipment can last a long time. You might be building a piece of equipment that lasts for 20 or 25 years, and for that period of time, it's burning energy that it, to no useful purpose. I'm all in favor of burning energy when it's useful, right? When you're getting something out, <laughs> that's what it's there for. Uh, but uh, when it's burned for no useful purpose, it, it, it just has this sense of... Uh, uh, it's just, it's just not cool. So, don't do it. In, inefficiency. So, inefficiency on one hand, and um, there's that. Uh, there's there's a philosophy among mathematicians and engineers alike about uh, about elegance. It's not an elegant solution, right? I yeah, I, I think that's a heat sink is inelegant, uh, and it's uh, it, it's past the, the time where we ought to be using them when, when we can possibly get away with it. Um, yeah, I don't think it quite meets the Occam's razor principle, but <laughs> yeah, you, can, you can perhaps think of it that way. Is it, yeah, keep it simple. Historically, the way you built a power supply was you figured out the volts and amps and how much power you wanted to get out of it and what shape it needed to be. And then you bolted a chunk of aluminum onto the, the power device and got a hacksaw out and chopped chunks off it until it got to your temperature. Right? That that was the that was the way you did it. Was you just keep removing material from the heatsink until you're done because you knew you were going to need one. These days, you don't do that. The, these days, it's really better to um, 
design it from the thermal environment down, right, rather than from the power delivery and, and out. It's a, I guess I'm, I'm not being very clear about it, and I feel a little bit passionate about it, which is why I'm perhaps rambling a bit. But fundamentally, I, I an alternative design approach for power supplies, which is figure out your thermal environment and design for that rather than figure out your power environment and then chop chunks off the heat sink until you, you know, until you get there. Uh, so uh, can you, uh, can I ask you if there are any, um, uh, if there's a category of applications or a specific application where, where that has applied um, in my mind, I'd, I would think of like, you know, uh, a, a laptop that actually burns your lap or, um, you know, some uh, or a consumer device where a heat sink adds to the weight and you don't want the weight. Yeah, the um, the fundamental fundamentally benefit of GAN is this is, is size and power because you're not generating as much heat. And so you look at applications, adapters are just the perfect application for gallium nitride mm -hmm. because it, that's exactly what an adapter is. Its value is strongly associated with how small and light you can make it. But that principle expands to almost anything mobile. Right? Anything mobile, you want it to, it does benefit to being light. And so, you know, we're starting to hear a lot of discussion about wideband gaps, looking car in vehicles, for example. And mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to be long before uh, gallium nitride makes it into vehicles because lightness. And, uh, and smallness matter in, in that kind of application. But even static equipment like uh, refrigerators, for example, mm -hmm. we have customers using gallium nitride in refrigerator power supplies. Why in the world would you want to, you know, refrigerator's huge, it's the size of a cabinet, you've got plenty of space for a power supply, so clearly compactness is not the reason that they're using GAN in the refrigerator. Well, the reason they're using GAN in the refrigerator is government regulations. And they have to meet an efficiency regulation, uh, particularly in the European Union. Uh, they've uh, created a labeling system, well actually they've had a labeling system for a long time, but they just revamped their labeling system to make it more difficult and uh, more, uh, more challenging to meet. And so even the power supply for things like the light that uh, we all know turns off when you close the door, right? Yeah. That, 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 you know, light, that they want it to be efficiently driven. They want to use LEDs. They want the power supply to be uh, um, to, to be efficient. And then running the electronics, or if it's got a screen on the front of it, driving the screen, driving the electronics with the screen, driving the wireless uh, uh, interface. Uh, they, you don't get a benefit from this um, labeling system for having all that stuff on there. So. You, you've got to hit the energy use budget, and that means you need an efficient power supply. Mm -hmm. uh, TVs are another one where mm -hmm. uh, we're seeing gallium nitride being used in, in TVs. Uh, I, can't, uh, I can't mention customer names because it's, it, we, just, we just don't do that. But uh, if you go into Best Buy or uh, you know, one of these locations and buy a TV, there's a very high chance that uh, you'll be buying a gallium nitride power supply uh, if it happened to have an adapter driving the TV. Um, so maybe that gives you some indication of which, which TVs might, might have it. But the, the <laughs> gallium nitride is being used to, to drive TVs. Um, 
And then there's a whole bunch of other applications. We've got something like 90 different application codes in our um, CRM database, and all of them have something to do with, with somebody is doing something with GAN. And, and so from an engineering point of view, if, if you're a, a practicing engineer building a product, mm-hmm. if you're not looking at it, there's a pretty high chance that at least one of your competitors is. And they've seen a benefit. Um, so it's, uh, it's a sea change in our industry. Um, and uh, I think it, it, uh, en- the engineers working in power subsystems at the moment should, be, uh, should make themselves familiar, should read the literature, understand the benefits, and understand you know, who else out there, aside from us, is using gallium nitride and convince themselves whether or not it can be beneficial for their, uh, their products. Okay, um, we've we've talked a, a bit about adapters, and uh, um, one of the things about adapters is the the out of the box trend. And, and when I say that, I'm using air quotes, but they're you know, so uh, <laughs> this, this is right. this is radio, so I have to c- call out the fact that I'm using air quotes. Um, what's what is the out of the box trend, and and how does gallium nitride fit into that? All right. So we've been anticipating, probably we've got to preface it by saying that power integrations builds the chips for many, many, many of the world's cell phone adapters. Uh, If you can name a cell phone company, chances are at least one of their adapter types or styles, and perhaps all of them use power integrations product. So we've uh, we've obviously extremely interested in the idea of will, will they go to market with just the phone in the box and no adapter, because conceptually that's going to that would reduce the number of adapters being made and, and affect our bottom line. So we're deeply interested in that question, um, and yeah, we've been predicting it. I'm the marketing guy, so you know I keep getting asked that question: When are they going to go out of box? When are they going to go out of box? It, it, from, I've been working for PI since 2004, so it's a question I've asked, been asked and answered a lot, and I've been wrong every time. <laughs> until um, until the last couple of years. And the last couple of years, with USB PD and the C-type connector, mm-hmm. there's sufficient standardization taken place where it's now a legitimate possibility for, for cell phone companies to, and notebook companies for that matter, to remove the adapter from the box. And so, yep, we're going to see uh, reduced uh, volume, but I think it's actually beneficial uh, for us and, and for customers and for the uh, the cell phone companies. And that's the problem of e-waste. Uh, you know, you, you, if you open a drawer at home, you know the drawer you throw your used adapters in, you've probably got a big fat drawer of junky adapters, and all that lot is landfill. The, the plastics, the cabling, the components inside, it's they're, they're landfill, and we just don't need to be spreading, you know, poisonous chemicals and plastics that will last until, you know, the end of the universe. We just don't need to have that stuff lying around forever uh, in, in this disposed of state. And so the question is, well, why are they in there? Why aren't you still using them? Well, you're not still using them because they're kind of junky, aren't they? Like they're, 
They're very light. They've got tiny, skinny little cables on. Half of them are broken. Most of them you lost the connect. You lost the cable for. And so they're, yes. they're not useful anymore. And that's why they're, or, or you've got a better one or a prettier one or something, or one that's a higher power. And, and so you want to use the new one. That's why the old one's in the drawer in the first place. And so, and the reason for that is that the cell phone company had no value from the adapter. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so they were highly incentivized. If you're going to give you an adapter, to give you a lousy one, right, or a cheap one, right? something that didn't cost them very much money. And so, you ended up with slow charging, poor quality, but um, you know, highly available uh, adapters. The new trend towards moving out of box gives the consumer the opportunity at point of sale to say do I want a new adapter or not? And what type of adapter? And what we're finding is that people are buying, you know, they're, they're forking out their own money for a good one at point of sale. So that's where gallium nitride comes in. It's that you can make a good adapter. You can make an adapter that's got multiple outputs. So you can have one adapter that charges many pieces of equipment. You can, uh, you can charge your phone in you know, 20 or 30 minutes instead of taking four or five hours. You can, um, you can use the same adapter to charge your laptop or uh, to power your laptop or charge your phone. So the, there's a, the quality has gone up. So even though the, the, the cost has gone up and the, the cost of the, our device, certainly because it's now higher power and it's gallium nitride so that the, the manufacturing cost has gone up a, a little bit. Um, it, the value has gone up more. Mm -hmm. So consumers are seeing a lot more value and they're getting a, a far more substantial, longer lasting product that's less likely to find its way into, into that hardware drawer or into a landfill. And I think that's beneficial. It's beneficial to us. Uh, it's beneficial to the OEMs who don't have to worry about building lousy, cheap adapters, and it's beneficial to the consumer who doesn't have it, won't in the future have a draw full of, um, you know, a poor quality uh, product. From a, from a consumer standpoint, and uh, I, I think uh, I, I mentioned to you, I'm not an engineer. I've just, you know, talked to engineers every day for 30 years. Um, I find it, uh, the, the ignorance of of electronics and how they work is is fairly widespread, and I would say that I I would put myself in that category, um, and I think that um, it, my sense is is that once we got to cell phones and cell phone charging and the ability, the, there's a there's a clear and obvious distinction and improvement from a bad adapter to a good adapter the, it translates directly into how quickly you can charge your phone um if that alone i think has taught more people about electronics than than anything in the last 30 years perhaps um so, <laughs> i don't know i see you laughing do you agree yeah i think so i, I think it's uh People in general are becoming a lot more aware of their power usage, and uh, and as part of that, I mean, charging your phone faster is, isn't really a, a green thing, but because of the general 
um, consciousness raising about use of power. And mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I think it, people are more educated. And yeah. uh, this cell phone situation is just one more aspect of, of that uh, dawning understanding of our of our footprint on the planet and how uh, what we might do to to improve things. That was Doug Bailey, Vice President of Marketing and Applications Engineering at Power IC Company, Power Integrations. The company proudly notes its stock is a component of at least two clean technology stock indices. You can get information about that on the company's website. We'd like to thank Power Integrations for sponsoring the weekly briefing. Visit this episode's webpage to find links to videos from Power Integrations explaining green energy, gallium nitride semiconductors, and other subjects associated with advanced power technology. And that brings us to the conclusion of this episode of the Weekly Briefing. Thank you for listening. This podcast is available on all the major podcast platforms, but if you get to us via our website at eetimes.com podcasts, you'll find a transcript along with links to the stories we mentioned. The Weekly Briefing is produced by EE Times. It was engineered by Taylor Marvin and Greg McCray at Coop Studios. The segment producer was Katie Huss. I'm Brian Santo. See you next week.